you're having to um you're having to take a second look or revisit the who your target audience is which is the topic yes. today right I call it Frankenstein client and customer which means that you need to build a profile for a target audience and oftentimes business owners do not revisit because what we think and it can't be done for feeling you got to really pay attention to the data what was the profile of the people that you're attracting or hoping to attract because sometimes you got if you want your business to be perceived differently you have to go after a different target audience but you got to have a profile to begin with now target audience wanted to get some clarity you have a general audience right which is everybody a target audience is really if i could simplify it is those people that most relate to you and your brand um that have the highest probability of doing business with you um doesn't mean other people don't but it mean that you know what i know six or seven times out of ten these people buying um and a lot of companies they focus their energies towards the target audience when it comes to their marketing dollars great example was this mcdonald's ran a successful campaign for years right what did mcdonald's sell burgers but in the late 80s mid 80s to mid 90s what's the main reason that people went to mcdonald's french fries mm -mm. keep going add on was it their milkshakes say that again was it the milkshakes nope was it the toys in the, in, the, in the happy meals happy meal right they targeted kids they put a clown as the mascot and other characters and their target audience was not the parents they pulled on the heartstrings by targeting the kids so when the kids would see the mcdonald's characters they said mommy take me to mcdonald's they did it so successfully that mcdonald's had to be sued for contributing to child obesity and went to court and they lost that's why you saw the, the, the rebranding of McDonald's where they pulled out all the toys, all the playgrounds, and they started modernizing their appearance because they felt that McDonald's had targeted uh, a population that were not at the age of being able to determine what was best for them. And they had to pull the data because everything about their market was based upon that. You know, the average adult is not chasing no clowns and toys, right? So they're like, what are we going to do? We got all these hamburger joints popping up. How do we separate ourselves? We have a good burger, but so does other people. So the marketing blog, let's figure out who the target audience is and go after them. And every every product chooses that. It's not just a surface answer. You, it's something you should like think about all the details and the behaviors that go with it. So I have 15 lines. Don't mean you need all 15, but these are lines you need to consider when you're trying to identify who your target audience is. Now, this is the start. Um, you need to assess, does it match what you want and does it really match your product? Because two things change, either how you position your business or the audience that you're going to go after. Now, you can choose. So if the audience that's making your money is not the one you envision, you have to make a decision. Do I continue to build around that audience or do I try to change things and shift my audience? It's always, always put you in a conundrum when it comes to what you're, sometimes you're gonna have to choose between the money and your vision in the beginning. Sometimes you're gonna have to let the money go to get to the vision. And then other times, hey, you might be willing to shift. Say, so, you know what? That's a better idea than what I thought. So the first one is this, right? When you start going down the list of audience, so we're talking about building the Frankenstein client. I want y'all to answer this. If you got a pen and paper, that's fine. Write it. What is the age range that uh, of your target audience? The primary people you think match with your product, qualify with your product. What is their ages? Like for example, I know that my services tend to hit the I'm gonna say the 
the 30 to to 50 range. I got a large range, but it's usually close to the 30 and as high as 50. Um, but I hover in between that most time with my clients. I know that's the age range of most of my clients, 30s to 50s. What about you, Steph? What you think your your age range is? I'd I'd say about um 18 to about 35. All right. Okay. What about from you, Dana? Targeting the barbershop. Am I targeting the parent or am I targeting the kid? Because a two-year-old. Well, it's 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 really it's really all about your your marketing strategy when you're saying target, like who's it, who's your your brand or product actually created for primarily that relate to it? Because let's say kids, then I would have to say then everything about your 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 barbershop should be kitty colors, cartoonish looking. Because they would make the kids yes. say, "Let's go there." So, in the case, the the you have to do what I call dual marketing. Because if you're dealing with the adults and the kids, you have to have a marketing strategy that pulls the adults in, but also lets them feel that they're comfortable with their kids. So, gotcha. but who? But you want to narrow that. Your target is the one you want to focus on the most. What is that that age pocket that you like? If I was to narrow mine down, let me just narrow it down. Or like 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 uh like Stephanie did. I would probably say. My average audience member is 35 to 40. Let me get it that small, that type. 35 to 40. Um, the primary ones who are probably the biggest uh members um by looking at pay and repetitive of uh, repetition of services. So I'm gonna say that. So if you had to pick a small group, Denise, what would that be as far as age? Ooh, I would say when they could come on their own, I'm gonna say 18 to 50. I know that's wide, but right. it's a barbershop. So can, can you narrow it down even more? Very. I would go 21 to 45. Okay. 21 to 45. All right. Because we'll at 21, you work and you're making your own money. Right. Cool. If I had to narrow it down even more, like um when I'm doing uh paid advertisements and I'm on a budget and you gotta select that target audience. Yep. But you're trying to hit as much as you can with the amount that you set for that budget. Um, right. I, I typically do about 25 to 35 because it's going to target people in that. Um, and I do females. Right. Not that I don't service men, but if I want to hit a certain area of people, it's going to be majority females ages yeah. about 25 to 35. And, and we're going we're gonna to get to that. that. That's the next line you just brought up, Stephanie. So. The, the reason the reason you want to look at age because there are certain behaviors so and we'll get to that later too associated with age you can use what's called deductive reasoning deductive reasoning allows you to look at how people behave in that particular age group and kind of guesstimate where what you know everything else but knowing the age group um is definitely important because marketing trends right um and when i say marketing this goes as far as even your product layout and design uh appeal to certain people in certain age groups like if, if you try to target somebody who's 80 and use a modernized techie view, there's a high probability that's not gonna drive, that's not gonna drive them. Um, so you have to know that. Like Steph, if she decorated her shop, if she wanted a more uh, uh, more mature woman, um, you know, very elegant and, and, and traditional, she would have to probably put in, you know, candelabras in there. You know, you have to change her layout design a little bit to really appeal to that market. Doesn't mean you don't appeal to other people, these are the people that primarily respond to those things. The next one that Stephanie brought up, which is perfect. Is the gender? What is the what is the average? What is the the, the average uh, gender that you're actually finding yourself servicing in your business? Males for me, but women are are starting to come. Right. Well, they so, come, but male is 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 
dominant. Right. And that's what we want to say. Remember, when we're asking these questions, it's like the primary. The other people do matter, but this is like if I had to choose one particular group of people to sell to it and all I had is ten dollars, this is who I would sell. This, this is the profile I would want them to have. Um, males for Miss Denise, Stephanie, yours are female, you said? Female. I'm curious about what Jules' answer would be because I'm sitting here trying to think about it in relation to her business, and I'm like, well, maybe. I would say she would say females because I just see that females might be more responsible as far as getting someone um, to take care of the things that they can't. But then I also see it as maybe her, her clientele is based mainly on men who don't want to clean. And, you know, so I don't know. I guess that's something Let's she got to answer. But Blue, I was thinking about that. Um, so as far as age range, it's mainly like 35 till about 47. And as far as sex, it's the women because we mainly families and the wives are the ones that take care of everything. The men that we do get, they're bachelors, they're older men, and sometimes they're actually kind of shamed to do it. And so, um, but it's funny because they're not normally the ones that book with us. They'll have a lady friend that reaches out to us to book for them. Cool, cool. Awesome. And we don't have to get everybody to answer every question. This is kind of like I just want your brains turning type of day to day. Uh location. Where 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 where's your, your audience primarily located right now? Where your where your clients coming from? Shop is located in Lafayette. To Lafayette area. Oh. Ms. Denise. I'm on the borderline of um Elmwood Park, Chicago. So I have a corner triangle store. So I, I can be seen from both ways. Cool. So I do a, um, a, a zip code thing that I, I got. And it shows me um, how many people I get from different zip codes. Right. So right. I'm going to say primarily now it's um, Elmwood Park. Yes, indeed. You, what about you, my friend? um middle class area so a lot of suburbs a lot of subdivisions and not too many in lafayette the city it's more like surrounding areas so you so you're more in uh you're in lafayette parish but not not primarily in the city yes cool 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 what about dana what about you have you have you been able to to glean that data yet based on which how you sell She said, hold on, y'all. Let's see. What about you, Joe? Are you available to tell us that? Oh, yeah. So I would say age uh, range, I'm seeing like in between 28 to like maybe 42. Okay. Um, predominantly more women in uh, Lafayette area. Cool. 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 What about you, Chef Ella? You happen to have been able to determine the age and gender of most of your clients? Well, I'll go since we're waiting. Wait. All right. So for me, um, my target audience is an older clientele. Um, like if I had to really, really narrow it down, it would be between like 45 to 60. 
of, and a majority of them are females. Now, my location is predominantly the, the Lafayette area at the moment, but I have people who have moved from Lafayette to other areas that want the product. So that's when I start to yeah. ship. And and here's what I want you to focus on, because I see everybody's kind of doing that. I know you have other people, but I don't want you to focus on them right now. I want you to really just focus in on who you currently have, who's the strongest buyer that you have. Um, when we say target audience, in order to hit a target, you have to have an extreme focus on it. So you want to make sure that you're don't think don't think you let you have to leave anybody out, but the primary people is what we want to talk about today. The next one is this. Now I'm gonna show you how this factors in. What is what do you think the average um level of education is for your client base right now? I would say for me, um, college graduate. Uh, some yeah, some type of college, college collegiate. What about you, Stephanie? <clears throat> I say majority of my clientele are students in college, currently in college. College yeah, level education. I'll say grammar school, high school, college. Okay. Dana, what about you? um college at least so, at least if you didn't complete it but at least some college behind them right i'd say high school college <clears throat> all right uh, joe you act like their highest level of education the average your target audience oh, what do you think that their, yeah their level of education is either currently in school or um a graduate Okay, cool. So most of you, so so most of you are are are, are identifying this as most of them are college level thinkers, right? <clears throat> That's important because that means that your marketing could be understood with very uh, limited breakdown. Whenever you start assessing the education level of your client base or your target audience, how you communicate with them um, is based on that. Because a doctor, notice that a doctor in the hospital has a certain languaging that he utilizes. And oftentimes the nurse has to come back and break that down even further for the patient to really get clarity. And then maybe, depending on who you are, a family member might turn around and say, hey, such and such, and break it down even further. So the education level only affects the comprehension of what you serve or what you offer. Dwayne? You're on mute. So Cliff, to answer your question uh, a few minutes ago, uh, before I chimed in, uh, the um, the age is thirty on up to uh, six. thirty to sixty. And what about their uh, education level? <clears throat> education level, um, either a graduate, right? So, you know, the, the thing that the good thing about the education system nowadays is that it's, it's a little bit more elevated than when a lot of us were, in, you know, for those that are my age, were in school. So a lot of your high school graduates are coming out with a, a basic, almost college level um, ability to understand. 
that education level is something you should always consider when you're dealing with your target audience because it affects their ability to comprehend. I have a client who's a naturopathic doctor and her primary core audience, they're, they're, what they comprehend in languaging is so far above, you know, some of the people that we would kind of see on the everyday life. And she has to consider when she's communicating her business, who she's really trying to talk to versus who, you know, some people want to try to talk to everybody, but you really should center your, your pitch or descriptions on your target audience. Um, just like politicians do, you see them all the time. They got plenty of things to talk about, but they're going to speak to the language of their target audience in order to get those votes a lot of time. That's a sales tactic that they use. Dwayne? Uh, can you hear me now? Oh, yep. There we go. Perfect. So I like this topic uh, for a number of different reasons. A, you know, it, it, it definitely gets you thinking. Um, but, I, you know, I'm going to kind of dig a little deep and step on some toes. Um, the reason why this information is, this topic is so important because once you understand exactly who your target audience is, it actually shapes how you actually think and interact with your clients. For example, I hear a lot of you know numbers coming out, and I think that's great. The one question that I keep asking myself is, where are they pulling this data from? Like, how do you know that, right? So for me, I, you know, um, my my average age of the client is 41 years old. Not 31, not 38, 41. Why is it that's 41? For me, what I realized is the majority of the clients that I have are in that age range because mentally they want to become business owners, I guess, at that particular age, right? So when I start to ask myself, why can't I target college kids? Well, it's because the average college kid isn't necessarily thinking or being taught how to be a business owner, but yet they're taught to, you know, earn a seat at the table versus the table itself. So it's a very systemic issue for me. So in order for me to reduce that number, because overall, if I can take my average customer's age from 41 down to 30, I have literally closed the, you know, the, the, the wealth gap by 10 years. Right. But I only know this information because I keep track of every client that I that I have that come in. I understand the age. I even know what type of business they are. So I, I actually have all of that stuff broken down to, you know, percentages, percentages of, you know, like right now, probably about 15 percent of my clients are truck drivers. Independent, you know, uh, truck owners. Right. I have probably another 13 percent uh, restaurants and, you know, stuff like that. So. I love the fact that you all can spit this information out. I just want to make sure that you have a clear understanding of where you're pulling the data from. That's right. It. And, that's a, and that's a good point I want to get to because in the backside of this comment, I just want to talk about is how you're getting that data. Um, I'm just going with it. You know, just this is really me allowing you to feel what you feel that you're, you're dealing with now. But I also want to provoke you to go back and confirm what you feel, because that's a good thing about a business. We have our natural intuitions and we kind of see things, but then once you, it's funny how when you get the actual numbers in front of you, how to shift your perspective. It's like, dang, I thought, and I've, I've done that many a time. What I thought was happening versus what was actually happening. Yeah. They're like, nah, that's two different things. So then that's why some of these tools we're, we're going to talk about coming up in, in, in next week, I'm going to dive deep into branding. And one of the top branding touch points is are you using tools that allow you to get the data you need to really understand your audience? Um, Because your tools should offer some of the tools should offer you that but um moving to the next thing is 
the occupation like what does your clients do for a living it's, it's very there's, you know, like for example i can tell you right now i'm, I'm gonna start it off and go easy <laughs> my clients gotta have a business they gotta be entrepreneurs that's who i serve is primarily those that want to have their own businesses um so what do they do for a living in my case i have a strange answer they can do just about whatever they want to um as long as that my my business can touch it so i don't i don't have a locked in um occupation well in this case the occupation is entrepreneurship so if they're involved in that then that's my target audience somebody who's worried mainly about their nine to five that's really not the client i might catch a few that kind of do this but the ones who are committed to having a business that's the one that i primarily serve So, Steph, what do some of your people do for a living? Majority of my clientele um, is nurses. Majority wow. of them. <clears throat> and that's um, typically um, from lashes because they are doing so much in the hospital that they can't wear makeup. Um, so I typically have about maybe 30 nurses that I see a week who come consistently and do their lashes and eyebrows. And then those same clientele um you know when they have something going on they'll do makeup because this is where they're comfortable at but it started off as a lot of word of mouth my shop is located right by lafayette general um right. you know and i have a lot of nurses who come in they come on their lunch breaks they come before i work eight to eight so i also cater to their schedule they come before and they come after so a lot of my um target clientele is nurses and it's always been like that right did you did you did you intend for that like did you intentionally Honestly, purposely yes i make sure i build a relationship with um, a certain clientele that builds a word of mouth um you know i get to know them i speak to them you know they know me on a personal level i know them on a personal level i always make sure i check in with them i accommodate them as much mm -hmm. as i can because i know they have busy schedules so was that so so i want to i want to narrow down the question did you go after nurses because their schedules don't allow them to you know uh whatever the case is right or watch this did you go after a particular clientele because they can afford to pay what you're worth that too that too because um it's never like um after COVID, i had to make a change i had to go up ten dollars that clientele that specific clientele never never changed they always still came in that's also the clientele that always tips me no matter if they come every week or every two weeks they always tip me right so that right. occupational question led right into the next one which is the income range of your client now let me ask a question Steph, because this is a good dialogue here is did you target them initially or did you find them gravitating towards you organically I found them gravitating towards me and it's it's mainly because of the environment that I provide. Um, they're looking for a professional environment and someone that actually knows what they're doing and is educated on what they're doing. So um, typically they all came towards me and then word of mouth, they started bringing in more. And that's just basically what my clientele shifted to because I didn't start off like that. I started off just trying to get my name out there. I honestly started hmm. doing children's makeup and doing club makeup. Um, which i hated and then i had to make that price adjustment and my clientele completely shifted with it wow so, uh, so i i want to know what what made you go up ten dollars versus twenty dollars um my lashes went up and then i realized i just had my demand 
for the special. I do 40 sets of lashes every Friday. And my demand was so high. I wasn't able to fit in my regular clientele who was coming. So I had to narrow that down. So upping my price narrowed it down to the people that could afford me. So I guess, again, I just, where did the $10 come from? Again, I'm, I'm focused on when you said, you know, I'm up my prices. You said $10. I want to know what made you think 10, not 20. Um, because I still kind of wanted to be accommodating and also I break down. But you are accommodating. Of, You're accommodating. I break down, I well, I, I break down what I spend. So I spend $2 and I make, well, when I was, when I first started, I spend $2 and I make $20. So that's kind of the range that I kept it in. So going up $10 just kind of gave me. $30. Okay. You know. I'm, a, I'm I'm mentally going to dig through that in a bit. Not not on this call, but I, but I'm just thinking. Go ahead, Cliff. So I know I know you're trying to change all the price. <laughs> oh, look! <laughs> he told me that even with my booth rent. Yes, we say, we, we say occupation because it reveals the mechanical thinking of your client. You know, people, there's the, the trend of a certain occupation is a is a thought pattern. Like they said, you you know you're a scientist. You think analytical lawyers are debaters. That so your occupation is telling you about the thought process of the profile. But then we move into income range, and you know two people have the same occupation and make two different income, which goes into their thought pattern, right? So the question about the income range is knowing this, you got to ask this question: Can your client base afford what you have? Now here's a sign that you picked the wrong income range, right? They keep asking for discounts. <laughs> when it's going on sale, <laughs> can they use that old coupon from two years ago? When you got those people coming to you, you have selected um, the wrong, or you've not identified the income range of people you want to service you. So now you're fighting with pricing and like Stephanie just said, she shifted her pricing and it shifted her people. Cause now the people that can afford me and that are tip me have this type of income. So one of, the, one of the things that I hear, and I man, I hear this a lot. Now, mind you, I'm only speaking about what I hear. I'm not saying that this is the truth, but what I hear. Let's take Louisiana for an example. Lafayette in particular. Well, I can't charge this much because the people around here, you know, whatever the case is or whatever the case is. This conversation is extremely important because, like Cliff said, who is your audience? If you are trying to extract more money from people who can't afford it, your audience is probably not the audience for you. And I would be, I can literally, there are a number of million dollar homes in the Lafayette and surrounding areas. So that means there are people in that particular area that can afford it. They just probably don't know who you are. That means you aren't doing a good enough job at targeting that market. You cannot extract more money from a particular community or person who just, even if they wanted your services, they just can't afford it. Does that mean that you don't want to do business with them? I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying choose your market and run with that. You cannot, it's very difficult. You have you have to really be good to have both 
markets, you know, come to you. Yeah. But <laughs> you have, I mean, you have to be amazing that you can capture both because the, the way that you interact with them indirectly is just a little different, right? Right. So I just think don't buy into an idea that because of the location that you operate in, that you can't charge what you feel your product or service is worth. No, don't do that. Think about it strategically. You know, have a conversation with somebody like Cliff. But I'm telling you, do not fall into the, men the mental trap of thinking you cannot increase your prices because of a certain type of, you know, people that you're dealing with. Go ahead, Joe. I'm in these people's homes and let me tell you, they can afford it. <laughs> I'm just saying this Lafayette got a lot of money and people y'all think that don't have money. They do. Cause like I said, I'm in a lot of people's homes. I've been in thousands of homes. Even if they didn't book with me, I'm in there and I see what they have. And you'd be surprised. I've never had that mentality of, Oh, I can't. Well, I'm not going to say never. Um, I don't currently have that mentality of, I can't charge this because they're not going to pay for it. People are going to pay for what they want to pay for. And if they don't have the money now, they if they really want it or need it, they will get the money, find the money, and they'll do it. But trust me, there is a lot of money in this area more than what everybody else thinks. And, so it's and, just me, huh? I'm the only one who thinks that. <laughs> That's what y'all saying. Hey, they got lots of money around this area, guys. Look, and with this whole point of this conversation is to teach you to build your, your brand initiative around the audience that's most re receptive to who you are um sometimes our identity you know you ever saw okay let's just put it out there you ever saw a couple look like they just didn't go together <laughs> they they like man i don't know how that's working they just don't look compatible we've all seen that person right and sometimes your brand and your business does not compatible with the market you're serving and you have to make some serious decisions what i mean by that is that how you know you're not compatible why because you're complaining about your clients all the time you're spending all day talking about how they mess they this they that or you're fussing about your clients the people you trust which shows that you yourself are not really compatible with the audience that's paying you and you have to make a tough decision either you have to adjust and get used to it and accept that's the way it's going to be or you have to take the 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 the, the, the risk of shifting how you do business with the huh you just said something so I guess the I guess a piggyback question: Do 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 we love our clients? That's the thing right there. And I can tell you, I do. I absolutely love my target audience, man. I just that's a lot. I could go down this whole list and tell you what I love about them. But that's an awesome question. Do you actually do you love them or are you using them? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all nobody wanna answer, huh? Nobody wanna answer. <laughs> no, I love I love my people. I, I love, love them. them. I love them, love them, love them. And I'm gonna do whatever I can. Watch, okay. I'm about to test y'all love. Y'all just got yes. set up. <laughs> if your product or service was not in their best interest, would you tell them? <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. What you say? Look, look. Because uh, <laughs> for me, it's hard because, and my mom's like, she's like, you can't sell candy to diabetics. Look, 
I mean, it's not my fault that they're diabetic. They know better. I mean, <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, I Dana. You were whole too. So, you mean, never thought about you never thought about possibly a uh, a diabetic clinic candy. for candy. Yes, and it's going to be awfully expensive because the, just to make a sugary evaporated milk, it it's not going to be create. It's it's possible. Did you try it? But yeah, I've tried a few recipes, but it's not creamy like I want it because of these mm. these artificial sugars. But different. You not eat it. Okay. See, but I'm saying <laughs> I don't like it. Nobody else don't like it. That ain't necessarily true. That's different preferences. I don't. I don't impose my standards on my clients. Sometimes they want, I'm looking at it, they say, that's good, I like that, I love it. Hey, no long as it's okay in my, my my world and you love it in yours, we good. I mean, everything can be improved upon. But uh, you got afflicting business, Dana, because your product that you sell, the candy, if they eat it and they die, it benefits you on the other side because you're doing funeral stuff too. So you got to. Exactly. Hey, I got it. <laughs> um, her business just happened to be a little bit more, but no, <laughs> it's a business. <laughs> hey, who's next? Wow. Miss Denise had a question. Well, I, no, I understand her because I buy suckers, you know, for the kids to, while they're waiting. But I had to go sugar-free because some of the parents would ask, "Is it a sugar-free sucker?" So I have a question, Mr. Denise. Um, I'm sorry. So, Ms. Denise, just out of curiosity, yeah. I know this is probably nobody's thinking about this, but before you give candy, do you do you do you do you ask the parent? Absolutely. I ask Good. them can they have it. Mm -hmm. I don't. And then, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna you know, be real. It, I don't. I... <laughs> So, so Stephanie, how you don't know if that child got a a a a a, a condition? Listen, nine times out of ten, if I'm giving a child something, that's for them to sit down and be quiet. And yeah, oh, I know the reason. I'm just saying, <laughs> what happens if that child one sucker away from going to see Dana? Well, they shouldn't. They shouldn't <laughs> have brought their child to a service appointment, anyways, because oh, children are not allowed. To well, you don't have that. Post, do you have? Do you have that posted? I had it during COVID, oh. but you know. Now, <laughs> I, I brought up an example early on to set y'all up for moments like this. Yes, McDonald's got sued because they contributed <laughs> directly to childhood obesity. See, I provide complimentary wine for my clients, right? And I do think that in, in, you know, I've had that thought process that maybe some people can't handle drinking, you know, while they're getting the service provided and leaving. I do think about that liability. So, Yana, the reason I'm suing Beauty to Beat in my little bar, weigh 300 pounds and you're only five foot. Um, she been I giving the suckers her whole life, but I know I'm going to eat the whole time. Hey, you want me to be responsible, but she gave me wine. I was a little tipsy, so I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> and guess what? Now, watch it. Here's the other loaded question, right? You have insurance? Yes. Right. How much is your insurance? A million dollars. Mm. 
So right now, I can send a kid over there on purpose and come get my million dollars. Oh, you ain't got it posted. Mm. Go post it, Stephanie. This is a recorded line. We have a we have, we have a preference. Huh? We have a preference, but at the same time, we do service kids. So it's like we we kind of just say no extra guests allowed. Because we do still service kids. Mm -hmm. It's not our target audience, but we do still service kids. So you want the kids in there? No, I don't want them, but I'm not going to deny them either. Okay. And just like that kid that can't have candy, you're going to give it to them. How am I supposed to know they can't? Easy. Ask their mama. <laughs> like, do like Miss Denise doing. Ask. I'm going to start asking, I swear. <laughs> it's called they come ask me. Stephanie, ask. I'm telling you. Ask. I'm going to start asking. I swear. Because sometimes I go in the back to the barbershop and them children crying and I just come with a lollipop and my husband be looking at me like, <laughs> Stephanie, I would do you one even better. I would always put in a hand in the parents so you can get it to your child. That part. I, I agree. You know what? I agree. That's the offset risk that because part. if I gave it to the parent, then they gave it to the child. If the child choked on the sucker, then they choked on the sucker, they can't give it. I do that. I got to move to my candy bowl. Good my job, candy bowl is at a child's reach. Yeah. Good job, Ms. Denise. I mean, so again, we're. We're, we're really not telling you all this just because we are thinking we're putting our own opinions on it. What we're saying is always think in the business mind when you're in the business. Right. You got to right, think right. about the business. I mean, it's going to save you some money too. I'm going to move my candy bowl because even the adults, they be dumping candy in their purse. Right. So check this out. Let's move we're along. We've got some money here. <laughs> money you're spending by yeah. so, so remember I'm, I'm gonna keep prefacing this i'm giving y'all a list of the most common things to consider does not mean it applies to every business or you able to get that initially because the next one is hobbies right hobbies are important to know about your clients because it tells you who they're hanging around a lot of people do hobbies that so in other words it helps me right hey i fish on my free time if he's fishing on his free time if i'm doing marketing material i might want to put something fishing related on it to give to my client that way, and it shows my brand that way when he's around his fishing buddies, they see it. That's why it's good to get in those dialogues, those conversations with your clients if you're building relationships, is to figure out what do they do in their spare time when they're not buying stuff. And it'll help you cultivate an environment um, to know who they're around and how to market to get to their to their peers. Dwayne? Oh, I was going to type it. They drink wine. <laughs> I was going to type it, but so Cliff, what you're saying is it's it's not only should we be keeping track of who we're doing business with, but we should have the, you know, on our interest form, intake form, or any way that we're capturing that data, right. we should probably ask some of those questions like, hey, what is it that you, you know, what is it that you do for fun? What are some of your hobbies? Now, the average person may not associate why you're asking them that with the product or service that you're offering, but this is yet another way of actually building a relationship with them and right. using, and I hate to use the word using, but allowing that relationship to uh, uh, open doors and of insight into who you're dealing, you, you know, doing business with. And I'm, I'm going to use uh, 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 Joe, for example, she does a lot of organic uh, 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 juices, right? So in her, in her, one of the things that could possibly benefit her is if you know that you are targeting people who are in that space of 
putting healthier things in their body and stuff like that, then if she knows that she has a client that actually is involved in athletics, actually involved in fitness and stuff like that, she can, you know, then literally take a lot of the things that she's doing and market to them indirectly, if that makes any sense. Right, Cliff? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this, this, that, look, this is the basic profile for data in every form you will create with your business. It should be able to collect all this information to do, like the one said, it helps with the marketing, helps with your strategies, helps with everything, because now you're not moving um, in the blind. You know who you're trying to identify, who you're trying to work with specifically. And, you know, the fun thing is when you commit to a target audience, it's amazing how many other people join in, too, because they're like, well, what's the big deal? What's going on? So it just kind of spreads from there. Joe? So I, last night, I helped out one of my real great friends. Uh, she was doing a webinar. And one of the things that I heard them say, because I hear y'all talking about data, is like putting out surveys, like where you can send the surveys out to um, your um, clients. Yep. I know like for me and the business that I have with them placing their orders through my website, I'm actually able to get all of their information. Uh, so whenever I have maybe a campaigning or something that I'm sending out, mm -hmm. I'll send it out through my website. So that way it goes to all of the emails. But that was something that really intrigued me on last night. And I was like, okay, this may be something I may have to look into. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, there's two tools that you can use. Um, one's good, but it's going to limit you until you pay. And the other one's phenomenal and it's free. You can build these types of surveys with SurveyMonkey. It's a great program. I use that for years in the car business. And well, I've got to give it to my boys. I don't, I don't promote them on their forms all the time because I do it on websites. But Google Drive, Google Forms, it, you could put if I put all these questions, it will actually tally it up, show me a pie chart of how it breaks down. It does all of that if you build that form that way. And that's a free tool. That's the one time it's if you have a, a survey tool, Google Forms will save you a lot of money. It'll let you customize it and get sustainable data. You just got to put that question in there to get that data right because junk in is junk out. And if you don't build a good form, then you're not going to get all the data you need to really see it from the numbers perspective. And you can make that part of your I'm probably going to employ it sometime later this year or later is a, a, a client registration form and just let them know we want to know who you are. My, here's my plan. We want to know more about who you are so we can connect you with customized services. That's the best way we service people. When we understand who you are as a client and as a person. Then we can figure out what service profile you need and make sure that we make our recommendations based on that. Joe says something. Let's see. Let's see. She was playing around with it last night. Oh, cool. Awesome. So look, the next one is goals, right? What kind of goals do your, your employees have? You know, I mean, your, your target audience have. That's very important to know. Um, that was important in the car business. When I got a client and I sold a car and they said, we're going to be moving in two years. And you know what I just learned, right? You know, their goal is to move or their goal is to buy a bigger house or make more money. If somebody told you the goal is to make more money, you know what that means, right? There's a high probability they want more expensive services. And you got to ask the question, do we have that? Can we can we can we can we get them to that level or some of the stuff they're doing might be more status. So knowing what your clients goals are. And like, like I said, some of this comes by way of building relationship, having those conversations and training your team to have those same dialogues just to kind of glean. What are their goals? What are their ambitions in life? Um, because people have certain goals kind of traveling packs. That's one thing. If you got a group of people says, I want an 800 credit score. We learned this in the car business. People with 800 credit scores hang around other people with 800 credit scores and they set a goal to build that. 
right? Just like this room, we have goals together. So we think differently um, and we find service that match what we're trying to do in life. So understanding our goals is always important. Another one, what kind of challenges do your, do your target audience have? Because your business should be solving a problem of some sort. So you're going to know what kind of challenges they're having in their lives as pertains to your business. The one word y'all heard before in this room was pain points. What's causing a big problem for them? What can you solve for them? Learning that because here's the thing. Um, the hospital industry does a great job at doing their thing, right? The, the medical field. There's more money in, 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 in treating the symptoms than it is to cure. Y'all know that, right? Mm. <laughs> so what they've done, they look at the, the pain point and to maximize the dollars. For, for those of you that are sitting down with your faces in a bunch, the hospital is a private organization. They're, they're, not, they're not publicly funded like you think. Um, they're there for the money. They're trying to make money. They, they, they want to help mankind, but they're not going to go broke doing it. So, but they they look at the pain points. What do we see on a regular basis that we could get it to uh, to maximize our business planning? Um, values and belief systems, right? You want to know what your client's values and belief systems are. In the South, in particular, I'm gonna tell you we have a lot of what we call Christian-based businesses. Um, you walk in there, they might be playing Christian music, they're quoting scriptures and whatnot. And you got to ask the product that you sell, is that the audience, the only audience you want to appeal to? So that was just an example, not all of it, but values and beliefs have to be in alignment. I once had a client that that cross was so important. They wanted it inside of their logo, no matter who it offended. But so they're trying to attract a person who has similar values and beliefs. And they said it, we really want Christian minded client base. They chose that client. That's how they branded themselves that way. You got to ask yourself who you, now Dwayne brought that word in from the very beginning. I want to go global. Now you have to get that. So we're narrowing it down, right? Niche. Some of you, if you want a Christian brand, you're a global Christian. Only those that are Christians are going to really appeal to that brand. Um, Chick-fil-A is a Christian-based business. You walk in there and you get in there any day in the week. What are they playing in there? K-Love or some other channel, some station. So do your values and beliefs line up with your clients? Some of your heartache comes. Go ahead, Dwayne. I know you want to jump in that one. Well, um how can i say this okay do you do business with someone watch this do you do business with someone that goes like their lifestyle goes against everything that you believe Are you asking, like, would we do it or are we currently doing that? Would you? I'm currently doing that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really care as long as it doesn't bring harm to me personally or any of um, when I have employees. As long as it doesn't create a hostile and harmful environment for us to take care of their homes. Yes, we do. Okay. All money so, isn't good money. So let me ask you this question. Um, you have a client who wants your services and this particular client, um, is it could potentially literally give your business the boost that it needs. But this client has concerns that, you know, when they are around, they are forced to, you know, maybe interact with people that, that they don't agree with their lifestyle, or they know that you do business with, a, with people that don't go you know that, that their lifestyle is just you know goes against everything that they, they they do what do you tell that client yes ma'am 
Yes, ma'am, is Denise. Well, um, it's a lot of um, drug dealing. You, you're breaking up? So do you tell them, I know I'm trying to drive. Okay. Um, it's a lot of gangbangers and drug dealers that come in mm -hmm. the shop. Uh, my husband, um, he, what they call him, a peon, neutron or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he he's friends with everybody. We had one situation where it was two opposite gang members mm -hmm. in there. And they jumped up at each other. But because of the type of person that my husband is, he, he stood up and he said, not here. Mm -hmm. So I think that you can um, provide for somebody that you don't um, particularly care for if they know your values and your standards. I can truly say 11 years, not a fight, not a shooting, thank God, not any of that. And a lot of the opposite gangs do come in there and they kind of know that that's a safe haven. I got a safe haven sign up there. They know mm -hmm. kids are in there. Don't bring your guns in here. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, it's hard both ways. Do I want to have them in there? My husband says all the time, man, I can't stand this customer because of what mm -hmm. he brings. Mm -hmm. And he has started um, eliminating a lot of the drug dealers because they bring they bring problems or somebody can say hey i know they get their hair cut over here and this is where i'm gonna catch them so a lot of times um the schedule that my husband has for some of them he'll do a home visit he won't even let some of them come so he he'll tell them hey i'm charging you 75 dollars to come to your house a lot of them are on the the monitor band he charged them a hundred dollars for a house visit you know some of them are enabled you know, had surgery, he go to the house to keep some of them out. He just, he just filters out. Do he want to? No, but you know, we like had it. some situations with opposite gang members that have stood up in the shop to, so do he want them? No. Is he trying to filter them out? Yes. But he's been cutting some of them since they were five and they're 30 now. So, so I, how, I love, what do you do? I, I love that. What, what you're doing is what you do. Y'all are actually making an adjustment, right? So when I'm talking about values and belief system alignment, don't mean that we do the same thing. It means there's a healthy respect between my service and with who you are. Um, so what, the point when we're talking about misalignment is when you have a client base that disrespects your belief system. That's a misalignment. Um, but your husband has a tolerance and what he's doing is the right thing. Let me figure out how to service people out here. So he's phasing them out because guess what? The shop are now going, the business values don't align with the client that's coming in here. So we're going to shift the business, not me. I'm going to shift the business to match with that. So now we can still address. And remember, he's moving them from the views of the target audience now. And the target audience is going to keep coming to the shop and they're going to fall in line with, with your values and your beliefs. But he's found a way, which is genius, to still accommodate those that are not the target audience in another way so it doesn't blend into his target audience's room. That's the, I mean, I think y'all doing good, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yes, Drew. For me, um, like I said, we're in people's homes, so I definitely do not want to create the persona that they feel comfortable talking to me about other clients and me talking to them. I have not had that problem. I'm sure I would now that you mentioned it. And that just means my policies and procedures have to be tight 
that we're just not going to discuss other clients. So whether they believe I service somebody, um, I have to create that client confidentiality. Right. You know, a lot of you were asked, this is a, a hot button topic, values and beliefs, because if you have not crossed a client yet or a group of clients that share beliefs or values that conflict with yours, it's only a matter of time. That's right. Um, we see, we, you know, and, and you're going to be forced to have to make a decision um, and it's going to be a learning moment for you to adjust your brand and your business to make sure that you're attracting those that are really your target audience and less of those that are not. Um, so that's about brand building and, 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 and cultural creation within your own business. So you want to be mindful of looking at what it is you believe. You know, in the news several years ago, you remember there was a bakery, I think, in Colorado who refused to make a cake for a gay couple. So that they we bake cakes, but our values are here. And when that client came in, they refused to make a cake for that client, and it caused conflict. Um, but that was a risk that that, that baker was willing to take. They fought yeah. tooth and nail against that. The question is, how strong would I, you know, whether I agree with it or not is neither here nor there. But what I had to respect from a business perspective is that it was a client that was willing to uphold what they believe in the value and they're coming and take the consequences with it. The question becomes is you don't have any boundaries or barriers. How long before you start attracting the wrong people that have the potential to destroy your brand imagery, which has happened in many places. Um, not upholding that brand culture is very dangerous, which is tied directly to the belief in Brandy was in the room and said this one time. It's always best to build a brand centered around who you are organically. So it's not hard to sustain those those walls or those limitations in your development or how you develop your brand culture. If you build a brand that's total opposite of your actual belief system, that is very hard to manage. And oftentimes when companies do that, they take and they hire somebody that matches that to run that and they stay back a lot of times. I mean, again, so I'm always saying, you know, the person, individual, needs to be separate from the business. That's, that's right. Point. If you know, you know that you, you it'd be hard for you to separate the two, like the business values and the personal values, then, you know, you shouldn't create a business that is not in alignment with what you believe. The one again, I may not ever agree with anything Chick-fil-A does, but I do. But I respect them because no matter what, they stated this is what we believe, and I am not going to open on a Sunday. Yeah. How many other businesses would like would do that? No. And but but they've created a culture. They've created an environment where everybody knows this is what this brand stands for. Not the owners. This is what the brand stands right, right. for. And what Ms. Denise said, I like. What this brand stands for is we don't allow this type of thing into our home. But because they are, you know, they, they value the person and not what they do, the husband has shifted to doing house calls and things of that nature. And it, it may be working for them. But the fact is, this is the brand. This is what we stand for. And that and, and it's very important that we never interject or uh, insert our personal beliefs so much so to where it overshadows the company. Because the brand needs to stand for something. The brand right. itself needs to be able to stand alone by itself and say, hey, I know I can't go do business at Chick-fil-A on a Sunday because the brand doesn't allow me to do so. Not the not not the owner, the brand. I hope that made sense. Absolutely. The way you tapped in right where I wanted to go was why you always preach about separating the two. 
That way you can drive it in the direction it needs to go. I love what Denise, Denise, what's the name of y'all barbershop? Oh, that's right. She's not talking. I just had to get off. Come back to she might type. I'm, I'm still sitting in my car, y'all. I'm so in trouble. Um, the name of my shop is Cut It Out Barbershop. Okay, so uh, I asked for a reason. I love it because after everything you just outlined, I've got all these business names in my head, right? And I wanted to see if your name matched the culture, and it does. Because I was thinking, like, Cut I was like, that barbershop should be like the neutral ground. Barbershop, demilitarized barbershop, which tells anybody, no matter what, when you get here, all that goes out. But cut it out, barbershop is fitting to the brand, to your audience. And this is a great example of. Thank you. That's the goal. Did you think about this, right? Because now I'm looking at from a bigger perspective, branding and marketing. I can replicate that. I can build a model with that barbershop, how you do business, your culture, your brand significance. And I can plug it into another neighborhood that's a rough neighborhood where we need to kind of have a neutral place to be. And we set the parameters and the tools. Now I could franchise that. And I know exactly what my location need to be. It doesn't need to be on the high end of the city. I need to be in a place where I can kind of manage and get over there. Because now you have a community purpose with your business. It's so, not just here. Now, that's a very good. Now, hold on. Because you just have. So right now, if Jewel, the sparkle lady, ever decided to hire a guy, that could be a conflict. Hmm. Could be. Hmm. So you gotta be careful. You gotta be intentional with your audience and your brand. You have to be. And we have we have to think well beyond the current. We have right. to think well beyond that because if if and and and, I, and it, I'm not picking on Jewel, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. in situations like that, if Jewel ever and I and I hear I hear Jewel want the franchise. At no point can she ever attract a guy who wants to clean. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. But to your point, Dwayne, this is why as we, as Jules is developing, this is why it becomes important to separate the person from the brand because now, just like our cars, we give names, the sparkle lady can feel like that's the business is the lady. Yes. It's directly tied to a person. You know, so you, you want to you want to be strategic and careful and mindful to see if it could work, but you have to, you have to, like I said, you have to put on the business. You have to run the business. You can't be the business in order to pull that off. As long as that is identified with a person, then like you said, it's going to be hard to find men that want to come work for a place called Spark Leo. I don't know no dude saying I'm going to get hired by Mary Maids, you know, <laughs> so, but they have, to be, they have to be intentional about whatever it is that they do. And there's I mean, nothing wrong with targeting. So it's nothing wrong with saying, you know, uh, I want an all-female, you know, uh, crew. For those who like Beyonce, she all she used all-female, you know, uh, a band at times, right? So nothing wrong with that. But right. at least be aware that when you do those things, you have to be able to stick to it and know that you are literally cutting out a particular part of, you know. Right. Okay, and be accepting and be, and, be accept and building that because Hooters didn't care. Twin Peaks don't care. Ain't That's no right. dudes walking around in the Hooters shirts and pants in most That's places. True. I think it might be a few out there taking a chance, but I mean, they said this is what we want. This is gonna be our exactly. brand, and they reinforce it. <laughs> so, in other words, it just got to be intentional when you do it. it. Can't be some accident that you're hoping works out. And if you do discover that's what it is, then what you want is you want to jump on and mold yourself around that. You know, build it, make, make a. You have to make a character with your business. Like um, 
to to keep it going. So the other one, favorite channels, right? Like, what do you, what do your people listen to? What do they watch on TV? You know, it's some Netflix and chill people. There's some stars. There's some uh, BT, HBO, Disney. There are uh, local news channels. You kind of want to know what their 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 um their channels are. What 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 are they getting their information from? That's important to learn over time. Um, their preferred types of content. That's a big thing to learn. What type of content do you people want to see? You might be marketing advertising in a way that's not really interesting or appealing to them. You know, what are they, what are they, the, the, that audience, what do they typically want to see? Like we're in the age of video right now, video and music. And almost if you're going to do a commercial, it needs to just be upbeat, video, music, um, appealing to the ADHD and people. Uh, so, but that's all in your audience. Now, if we're talking about an older and elderly audience, that's not the case. But you want to know what type of content do your people respond to, to target audience? And the last thing is this. This is very, very important. I'm going to say this because we over time is the buying behaviors of your people. Like what kind of buying habits? How do they shop? You know, online, in stores, how frequently you want to start paying attention and gathering that data that helps you to understand when you need to advertise. Like right now, all of y'all in this room, y'all about to get some advertising for Bath and Body Works moving into the fall because they know that when it comes fall, y'all about to put your pumpkin spice, your cinnamon, your apples all out there. So they're going to start putting all them fragrance. They're going to market. They're going to redesign the color scheme. And they're going to send out all those emails and those little things in the mail to appeal to you to get you there because they know that's your buying behavior. So when this time happens, this is what y'all buy and what y'all do. Boom. Can y'all see how important gathering all this information is as pertains to doing your business? I definitely can. Um, I can. I I didn't even really think about it until you mentioned it. And it also will help you instead of working harder, working smarter. Right. Big, big thing, man. It's, it's like, you know, it's nothing like trying to give. I'm going to say this. I like to talk about relations when we talk about it. Why give the best of you to the person who can't comprehend you? Mm. Sometimes that's what we're doing with the bitch. You got this great idea, this vision, and you're trying to appeal to an audience that does not have the 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 income, <laughs> the, the education, the uh the pain points, the goals that match with your product. So you want to say, here's who I'm servicing, and who did I want to serve? Mm -hmm. And then you have to figure out what adjustments to make from there. If you find yourself, I want to serve some 20 year olds, and you serve some 40 year olds, you got to reprogram yourself. Like, is my product built around that, or, or do I need more information or education on what I'm doing on that particular area? But it all has to it has to be an alignment, regardless of what you do. Make sure who you want to be as a company matches the people that you're attracting. Whenever you have a company attracting the wrong people, I tell them that's because they are missing a marketing strategy. You just threw out the net and said, whatever we catch, what we're going to catch. And sometimes what you're catching is not what you wanted, and it causes more heartache, and it puts a lot of strain and stress on the business owner because now you're fussing at your clients all the time. And I love Denise's story. Look, we was fussing, but we made an adjustment. So if that happens, you have to adjust how you're going to do business in order to shape and mold, which is beautiful, the culture and the brand that you want in that area that you service. I like it. I'm done, y'all. This is I'm good, done. man. Thank you. Any feedback or questions before we close it out? No, I, I definitely appreciate the topic. Um, I, I, I think it's very important, and I think you know, if we at least just take the time to just kind of think about all of the things that you discussed today, I think it will help us as business owners um, um, to continue to understand who it is that we're dealing with, who it is that we want to do business with. And um, um, 
foster those business relationships in a more meaningful way outside of just financial transactions. Right. Absolutely. I want to I want to thank Cliff for that nugget that he just gave me about my name. I didn't even think about that. Cut it out. Like cut it out. out. Hey. Do you know what I'm going to go home and sit up and write like I can write a thousand <laughs> slogans. And I didn't even realize until I said it and then you said it again that I'm doing it but I'm not using it. That's right. That's it. And Denise, so thank you for you, that. Let me tell you about the my head. When you start talking, I know the brain, the Wayne's branch. You position yourself in the community with that being the core purpose and vision statement. And it's only a matter of time if you connect a nonprofit connected to that barbershop. Well, my head literally was I'm already because again she said something that was vitally important. Her husband been knowing these kids since they were like five, so that means yeah. that. He has a connection. So that means when he speaks, they listen. So if he yes. did it in a nonprofit world, not only are y'all going to benefit, but the, the city of Chicago will contribute to you. Man, look, I'm on the totally well, what, 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 so, what do you mean? When Cut It Out does, no, when the Cut It Out nonprofit is giving free haircuts, and they're they're paying they're paying cut it out oh let me stop that's too much boy boy <laughs> oh my oh my, okay because listen i i do sponsor baseball teams so when it's school time we do the whole team they come in we shut the shop down that day for them they come in they get free haircuts their parents love it um and we just give it to them like i'll have little sandwiches or something and the community a man came up to me now i'm not a barber but i'm the kind of the face and i don't mm. want to do all the talking but he came up to me he said thank you so much because we have a pole in front of our shop and i just decorate it for every season like i put pumpkins all over it they come in the shop i have so many pictures of people taking pictures of this pole with this pumpkin and so my mind is like okay Okay, now what else can I do? I gotta find some way to connect the two to my barbershop because I just like to decorate, but the community walks in all the time. My husband will call me and say, this guy wanna talk to you. He told me yesterday, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for keeping um, this area clean. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. But not thinking on the level you're thinking, thinking that it's just something that I love to do. So I just do it naturally. Mm. Mm -hmm. Hold on, let me see something. I just want to make sure I'm clear. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Cut it out, foundation. Anyway, let me. <laughs> you better stop playing with me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I couldn't even go in my meeting today. I was like, nope, just be late. Just be late. And I, and this was good. This was beneficial. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Look, guys, I just put a link inside the email. There's a website called city-data.com. And that link allows you to look at data by your area by, by, by zip code. Look at this one up here. <laughs> so if you want to find some information and see if you match your area and what's really going on in your area, you can pull those statistics based on zip code to see how that uh, community is profiled. It gives you, you know, the square footage, the population, that area, the breakdown of education, the marriage status, 
um, racial status. It gives you a lot of information that you can use to just kind of profile whether you are in the right area for your business. Because sometimes your business location just might be in the wrong area that's not convenient to the population of people you want. Good idea in the wrong place will never benefit you at all. That's why the old business, the old things teach you with business one-on-one was location, location, location. At the end of the day. Now that's changed because of technology, but those of you that have a brick and mortar, locations, everything, that's that's marketing dollars you ain't got to spend when you're in the right place. This is good, man. Thank you for this. Cool. Y'all want me to close out with a joke? Go ahead. Come on. Bring your joke, girl. Come on. <laughs> what did the duck say after she bought chapstick? Right. So cool. Chap, chap. Put it on my bill. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Thank you for that, Miss <laughs> Oh, goodness. I keep myself lightened. <laughs> All right, let me, give, let me give you one before you go. Ay, ay, ay. Definitely. Where do spiders get medical advice? The web. The web. WebMD. <laughs> Couple jokes a week. Couple jokes a week. Man, I love it. Great. I love it. I love it. Hello. <laughs> How y'all doing today? All right, man. Y'all have a good one, man. I gotta get I gotta ready for go. All right. All right y'all y'all I'm going to turn a. I'm going to turn a small business into an empire. Yeah, you better stop playing with me. <laughs> I'm look, I'm up for the challenge. Okay, they looking at me like I'm crazy. Bye, y'all. Peace.